0: We are less than one month into the 2022-23 season, and the preseason number one and number two ranked teams could be out of the top AP 25 altogether. What the heck is going on with Gonzaga and North Carolina? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a five times per week National College Hoop Show. I am your host, Andy Patton, joined by co-host Isaac Shade. Isaac, the number one team to begin the season, the North Carolina Tar Heels, the number two team to begin the season, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, 10 and 7, and we are less than one month into the season. It has been a unique season for a variety of reasons, but when your top two teams are barely above 500 a month into the season, you got to wonder what the heck is going on.
1: Uh, you do, Andy, and it's it's wacky. It's literally historic uh, <laughs> for for, like, for the Tar Heels. Let's take them, for example. The AP poll that we're talking about here started in 1948-1949 season. At that point, they're just ranking 20 teams. It went down to 10 at one point. I mean, it's been all over the place. Since the AP poll started, this is the 75th season, only five AP preseason number one teams have not gone the entire season being ranked or uh, had dropped out of the poll Mm -hmm. at some point in that season and it expanded to 25 teams in the 89-90 season and since that point only two teams AP preseason number one have not gone the entire season ranked. that was Kentucky in 13-14 but they didn't fall out till week 19 the 19th poll Michigan State in 19-20 just a couple years ago fell out in the 15th poll Andy, this is going to be just poll number five, and we are going to see the number one team. I think definitely gone mm-hmm. in the Tar Heels, and so they are going to be the earliest team in the modern AP poll era to leave the poll at some point in the season. Yikes!
0: What is happening to these teams? What you think Gonzaga is going to be gone too? And so I don't. I think Gonzaga is going to stick in the top twenty-five. I think they definitely should. Stick in the top 25. Uh, it's a difficult season to defend Gonzaga when they have three losses early in the season. And I think when you look at the history of Mark Few's tenure, most of the time, three losses before, the, before December, three losses in early December would almost certainly have him unranked. But this is the most difficult schedule that this team has ever played in the non-conference. So you're, you're looking at three losses against teams that are sixth, excuse me, second, sixth, 15th in Kenpong. Yeah. That that's those are not bad losses. None no. of them are bad losses no. at all. They have a win over Michigan State, they have a win over Xavier, they have a win over Kentucky. Those are all solid wins. Is this team looking as good as last year's team? No. Is this is it unusual to see Gonzaga get blown out twice early in the season? Yes. It's very unusual to see Gonzaga get blown out. Period. It doesn't happen very often. Texas and Purdue both nearly beat them by 20. That is very rare. But this is still this is a team that You look at the resumes of the teams between 20 and 30 or teams that are kind of on the verge of being ranked. Gonzaga's resume is better than all of them. It's still, do they look like the number two team in the country? No, no, they absolutely do not look like the number two team in the country. But I would be surprised and a little disappointed if they fell all the way out of the AP poll because I just don't think that they're, I don't think they're not one of the top 25 teams in the country.
1: I agree with you, and I I think the Tar Heels are also not not one of the top 25 teams in the country, but they just don't have the resume strength right right now that Gonzaga does. I mean, the the loss – here's the issue with North Carolina is that it's all compacted these four in a row that they've just taken, Mm -hmm. Iowa State and Alabama in last weekend's uh, Phil Knight Invitational uh, at Indiana midweek and then at Virginia Tech yesterday to start ACC play. And so for those who've been tracking with North Carolina, it's just this, it's a weird, unfortunate series of events Mm -hmm. because I mean, should you win these games? Probably. I mean, you should drop at least Mm -hmm. one of them. I mean, that's college basketball, but the AP preseason number one should probably go three and one in these games. If we're being honest about that. The problem is that you start it by losing to Iowa state, Mm -hmm. which is the easiest of these four games to win. And then it just, went bad after that. You can understand losing to Alabama. Mm-hmm. I, I think the loss at Indiana is the, mo- like, the most understandable sure. of the entire stretch. I mean, the Hoosiers are fantastic. Trace Jackson, Trace Jackson Davis is just killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Sunday, North Carolina, who has been on the road for forever, I mean, they went straight from Portland to Bloomington, mm-hmm. went back to Chapel Hill, haven't practiced, and then go to Blacksburg, Virginia. And so it's just, I think a lot of it is a function of This team hasn't practiced. They've not been able to work Mm -hmm. on the things that have been struggles. And then in Sunday's game, they're missing the ACC preseason player of the year and a preseason All-American in Armando Baycott. And so you don't want to make excuses if you're the Tar Heels. But Mm -hmm. but it's understandable, I guess, is, is where I'm getting at with it.
0: One thing that I find kind of interesting between these two teams, there are a fair amount of similarities in the sense that they returned a lot of key players. I think North Carolina returned four out of five starters, added Pete Nance. Gonzaga returned three really key starters, four if you add Anton Watson, who was a a bench player last year but also started some games. Uh, But both of them have preseason National Player of the Year favorites in Armando Baycott and Drew Timmy. And both of them have seemed to kind of struggle to fully acclimate those guys into their offense, which is – odd because they're not second year players. They've been on this team for multiple seasons and and for North Carolina it's a lot of the guards taking a lot of shots. You look at that Alabama game when R.J. Davis, Caleb Love combined to take 60 field goals in that game and, and part of that was defensive rotation issues between Baycott and Pete Nance and not right. being able to play them both at the same time for Gonzaga in that game against Baylor on Friday Drew Timmy took six shots Drew Timmy did not make a field goal until late in the second half like not early in the second half, it was a good chunk of the way into the second half before he even had a made field goal. He finishes with nine points, five boards in that one. That can't happen. And I think there's a larger conversation to be had here about like, this kind of pendulum swinging between these teams that have these really dominant big men like Baycott and Timmy and Oscar Shibway and Hunter Dickinson and Trace Jackson Davis and teams starting to realize that the best way to neutralize those guys is to try to keep the ball out of their hands. Don't try to stop them when they get the ball. Don't let them get the basketball teams have figured out at least with Gonzaga that if you put a ton of pressure on their guards, they struggle to make entry passes to drew Timmy to the point where Mark Few at times is running offenses, where Drew was basically taking the ball up the court because they just wanted the ball in his Make hand. Make sure he
1: gets it, yeah.
0: And with North Carolina, it seems more like they're just daring North Carolina's guards to shoot. They are willing to do that quite happily, and it creates a situation where you have these bigs who are not as effective, not because they aren't as talented as they used to be or aren't as effective around the rim. They're just not getting as many looks.
1: I think so. And and part of it is, normally, if you're daring R.J. Davis and Caleb Love to shoot, that's a recipe for disaster mm-hmm. for an opponent. But mm-hmm. the way they're both shooting, although they did, they both shot over 50% from the field in mm-hmm. somebody's lost to Virginia Tech, but still not very good from three, which is part of it. Yeah. The other thing, which I know a lot of people, I feel like, are kind of mitigating, like, hey, you just switch out Pete Nance for Brady Manic. But mm-hmm. uh, Pete Nance is a much more traditional five than manic would be whereas manic can come into the paint but man he is such a dynamic and high volume shooter that he's not congesting the lane Mm -hmm. and that affects both armando baycott and the guards right and so there there's issues there uh another thing that's happening to north carolina a lot is that teams are blowing up ball screen action and just not letting it work which is where uh, like rj davis and armando baycott made a living last year yeah Here's a here's a big thing, Andy, that just drives me nuts in this Mm -hmm. whole thing, more so with the Gonzaga side of it than the North Carolina side of it is is fans either that are really dialed in or who are just kind of tangential college basketball fans that look at the record, Mm -hmm. see five and three beside Gonzaga's name and say, see, told Mm -hmm. you so. Gonzaga's not it. Yeah, but it's not about the stinking wins and losses. Mm -hmm. Look at who they're playing, as you talked about. Mm-hmm. All three of those losses are to top 15 Ken Palm teams. Yep. Do you want to win those games? And maybe should you maybe at least two of the three? Mm-hmm. Sure. Why not? You know, you went on that 8-0 run to close out the game against Baylor the other night. And, and yep. you thought you had it if you're Gonzaga, mm-hmm. but still the only other team that has better wins on their resume in the entire nation is Purdue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like, I, I'm, I'm out on, all that i just i don't have time for fans that are just uh win-loss lookers we'll call them yeah and for Gonzaga,
0: like they they don't typically play this rigorous of a non-conference schedule because it's been and that's a whole another lengthy conversation about power five programs traditionally being afraid or unwilling to play true road (laughs) games in situations like this and you know st mary's played number one houston and it's taken them about a decade to get to play a game like that it took gonzaga about the same amount of time and now that they're there now that they're getting to do it, you see that like, hey, it, these are really hard games to play early in the year, but it doesn't matter how good they are now. It matters how good you are in March. Right. And Mark Few has been telling people for months like, hey, this team's going to take some time to, to be where they need to be. And and yet here they are starting out kind of slow and people are in full on panic mode or writing them off. And it's like we he, he knew this was going to happen. I'm sure he, he was hoping for not three losses, but <laughs> like it matters how you play in March, not how you play now.
1: And so speaking of which, really quick, Andy, what do you think? When we look at the Gonzaga Bulldogs and the North Carolina Tar Heels, which of those two teams has a better seed come the NCAA tournament?
0: I'm going to lean Gonzaga, but it's close. I think in in more traditional years, you would see an ACC that's much stronger than the WCC. And to be clear, the ACC is still stronger top to bottom than the WCC. I'm not going to make that part of a take sure. right now. Uh but they're it's closer. It's a closer match than it used to be. And and Gonzaga still has a couple good games on their schedule. I know that North Carolina does too. I believe they're playing Ohio State uh, and I think they have Michigan one, Michigan. You're right. So they still have some good games on the schedule. Gonzaga has Alabama, they have Washington which isn't great, but it's a power 5 team. Oh. And then they got St. Mary's, they got BYU, San Francisco, etc. Uh, I think Gonzaga's maybe one more loss, maybe two. Uh, and maybe that's a hot take with how they've played, but they they got an easier part of their schedule. And I could still see them being in the four five six range, whereas I could see North Carolina maybe similar to last year where they're more on that you know eight nine range uh, yep. depending how things go in conference play.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I would go the exact same way. I think both teams are kind of, unless something ridiculous happens, I think they're both out of that one-two conversation. At least right now, we'll see what happens. But also, as you said, let's not pretend that the WCC is all that inferior to the ACC. Per Ken Palm right now, the ACC ranks as the sixth best conference. The WCC is ninth. They're right Right. behind them. So I don't want to hear any of that noise.
0: Well, Isaac, there are 12, count them 12 teams that have not lost so far. Neither Gonzaga or North Carolina are a <laughs> part of that conversation, as we have discussed already. But we're going to talk about which 12 teams there are and whether we're buying into them, whether we're selling, or whether we're holding on. But before we do that, today's episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. The holidays are here. Achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together special curated gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. Go to omahasteaks.com and use code LOCKEDON at checkout to get $30 off your order. I can say personally, my wife's grandma has been sending us Omaha Steaks every year for the last couple of years. The first time we got it, I was like, I don't know what we're going to do with all this meat. I'm not sure if this is something I want to continue, but you know what? I have loved it every single year. It has been fantastic to stock up the freezer for the next couple of months. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today knowing you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com, use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get an extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. All right, Isaac, we are talking undefeated teams here in the college basketball season. There are 12 of them through Sunday's game. Uh, We lost Indiana. We lost St. John's. We lost Southern Miss. Teams keep falling by the wayside, but we still got 12 teams standing. Want to go through this list and take a look at which teams we're really buying into which teams have maybe just gotten a little lucky or played a little bit of an easier schedule. There's always a wide variety of teams that kind of remain in this undefeated conversation. Uh, first team, though, number one team in the country. That's a pretty good spot to be if you're <laughs> still an undefeated team. That is, of course, the Houston Cougars. I uh, had a couple close close games with Kent State, close game against St. Mary's, two pretty solid squads. Uh, but other than that, they have kind of run through their season so far. How are you feeling about Houston right now?
1: Yeah, I, I'm feeling great. There's been like two games of theirs where I've been like, yeah, I don't know. But the, I mean, the, no danger. Right. In any of these um, think like the game at Oregon should have been like when you schedule that, you're like, yeah, that's a really tough game. But it's just with what Oregon's doing this year. It's not mm-hmm. uh, man. The Cougars have two massive games coming up, and I think they're going to end up taking an L in one of these two. Yep. Uh, we've got North Florida coming up this week, whatever walkover. But they play Alabama on the 10th, which is next Saturday. Then they've got North Carolina AT, another whatever game. But mm-hmm. the big one, the big daddy that I cannot wait for is they are at Virginia on Saturday, December 17th. By the way, if you've not looked at the schedule for that day nationwide, oh yeah. boy, that day is going to be loaded. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I think that is where Houston's going to take a loss is mm-hmm. in Charlottesville on December
0: 17th. With you 100% there. As first to 40, and that one is going to be the winner there. Uh, yeah. Virginia hasn't quite been as dominant defensively as typical, but they are still <laughs> fantastic. We we made that joke about the Houston-St. Mary's game, by the way, and that was pretty much the case. I think it was 53-48 yeah. with the final there. Uh, the other undefeated team, or the next undefeated team, I should say, is Texas, who is number two. So, uh, you know, the top two teams are still undefeated there. Uh, the Longhorns, of course, blew the doors off of Gonzaga, beat Creighton, have had a, had a really solid season, I'm kind of buying in here, to be quite honest with you. They got Illinois coming up soon. They got some pretty easy games after that. Uh, They got Oklahoma on New Year's Eve. That's never an easy game. But honestly, like, I think their outside shooting is suspect. It was not suspect against the Zags. They were phenomenal in that game. But for the rest of the season, I think they're right around 30% from deep. But the guard play has just been incredible for this team. And I would not be shocked if we're looking at 2023 and they're one of the teams, or maybe even the team, still standing without a loss on the record. A-
1: absolutely i'm buying i'm uh you know if we're going by seller hold as you said mm-hmm. which i forgot to say on the cougars i talked about when they're gonna lose i'm totally buying the cougars yeah. overall uh yeah. but texas i'm give me all these texas schools i'm mm-hmm. buying the longhorns too that that illinois game watch out for that on yeah. tuesday but outside of that blah until mm-hmm. new year's eve at oklahoma when they that's literally their first true road game this season andy yeah. is that new year's <laughs> Eve? come on man but better scheduling, I want to see it. But I'm all in on the Longhorns. Uh, moving down these Ken Palm rankings, the next undefeated team is the fourth overall at Ken Palm, the Yukon Huskies, coming a little bit out of nowhere. You mm-hmm. love to see it. Uh, they're they're playing great basketball, undefeated right now at nine and zero. They got a game coming up Wednesday at Florida. What do you think about the Yukon Huskies, Andy Patton?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of holding right now. I'm not I'm I was really, really in on them. Their last couple of games, they haven't looked quite as I solid. So. I still feel really good about this team. Adama Sonogo is just extraordinarily talented. I think this team top to bottom. Their depth is fantastic. Their bench scoring has been really, really good this year. They got Florida in a couple of days. Florida hasn't looked great, but they have really, really good front court. I think that's going to help them a lot. UConn then gets into conference play. They got Butler, Georgetown. That should be. They should be able to take care of those two games. Yeah. Nova, which they have not looked great this year, but I would never discount Villanova, right. especially now that Cam Whitmore is back. That's right. I mean, then it they're on the road great. at Xavier. They're on the road at Xavier. Uh, Sean got that Jeez. team going really well. I think that's a, that's going to be a tough game. I don't know that I'm confident UConn will be undefeated when the calendar turns to 2023. But I, I am still pretty darn optimistic about this team going forward.
1: I think that's all well said. By the way, I'm right with it. This uh, Colin Castleton Adama yeah. Snogo matchup on so Wednesday excited. is going to be awesome. Make sure, folks, you tune in for that. But yeah, uh, another New Year's Eve battle where I think I, I think UConn should be undefeated going into that game at X. But boy, that is going to be a big one as well. There, I'm watching for that. I'll hold on the UConn Huskies as well. Next on our list, moving down the sixth overall ranked at Ken Palm is the Purdue Boilermakers who have kind of just frankly come out of nowhere to start this season. They're next. The, the, I mean, there's no reason they shouldn't run through a gauntlet. I think mm-hmm. they go into uh, 2023 undefeated. But Andy, you buy selling or holding on the Boilermakers?
0: I'm, I'm buying. I'm 100% in on what Purdue has done this season. Zach Eady has looked like the best player in college basketball. That's He's- right. 31 and 22 against Minnesota today or on Sunday. Like, just a a phenomenal performance from him. Their guards, though, have been so much better than people expected them to be. That has been such a huge part of what this team has been able to do. You look at their schedule going forward, they got some decent games coming up. They got Nebraska, they got Davidson, they got Rutgers, but nobody that I think is seriously going to challenge them. I don't think this team's going undefeated for the whole year. That would be extraordinary what a story that would be if they were able to do that but even going into i mean at already the fact that they're undefeated at this point is quite a story quite frankly Uh, if they can carry that into the rest of the month into the new year this is a a really dangerous team that there's not a team out there that wants to face this this program in march they are really really good
1: they're the class of the big 10 right now
0: next up virginia seventh we have four teams in the top seven that are excuse me five teams in the top seven that are all undefeated that is of course the virginia cavaliers tony bennett squad Uh, again another story that like we knew they were going to be good we knew they were going to kind of bounce back from what was a pretty rough season for them last year i'm not going to tell you confidently that i thought that they would be undefeated at this point in the season Uh, of course that big big matchup against houston on the 17th uh, at this point, it looks very possible, borderline likely, that these two teams will both still be undefeated going into sure. that game. One of them is going to have a loss. Somebody's off the list. <laughs> Somebody's going to be off the list. Uh, I think that's a fantastic game. I, I'm not, I, I guess Houston has the edge, but, man, I, I have a hard time imagining that game's not going to come right down to the absolute wire. Virginia's got Miami a couple of days after that, another team that I think is very capable of beating them, especially coming sure. off that game against Houston. I think that Miami could really pick them off there, but by and large, I'm, I'm pretty excited about what Virginia is doing this year. I, I'm buying them too.
1: I also will buy the Cavs. It's honestly, for me, I think they take care of Houston. It's the game at Miami. I worry about, they've got those really athletic guards and Jim Larry Nega's team always seems to have a, a way of just giving Tony Bennett, just a, at least a little bit of some trouble. And so um, that that's actually the game. I'm a little more high alert on for the Cavs. Than the other. So, Andy, that's five of our 12 undefeated remaining teams. As you look at Auburn, Maryland, Mississippi State, Missouri, got quite a a slew Mm -hmm. of SEC teams there, plus Maryland. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the final remaining like power schools that are on this undefeated list. Out of those, what are you looking at buying, selling, holding on any of those?
0: You know, yeah, I'm surprised to see Auburn here. I think they, they, you know, lost a lot of talent with Jabari Smith with Walker Kessler going out the door. There's uncertainty about what their guard play was going to look like this year, really what their front court was going to look like. They haven't played a ridiculously hard schedule to be perfectly honest. I thought that there was a decent chance St. Louis would pick them off a couple of weeks ago or last week. And they, they managed to hold on, pulled out a five point victory there. Uh, But I'm I'm not super excited about this team. They're the team that is ranked the highest, but the team that I think has the the highest chance of of potentially falling off this conversation fairly soon. They got Memphis on the 10th. Uh, they got USC on the 18th. I think at both USC. Of those. Look, yeah, yeah, at USC. Uh, I, the Trojans haven't looked great this year, quite frankly, but they got enough playmakers that I, I think Auburn's going to be out of this conversation soon. But I also think they're a much bigger uh, threat in the SEC than I initially thought they were going to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And as we look around, you know, those other three on this list, Maryland, Mississippi State, Missouri, uh, surprisingly, it's uh, Maryland of all of those that I would buy the most Mm -hmm. if you asked me to bet my uh, my salary on it or something. (laughs) Uh, And then, uh, you know, we've got the Utah State, UNLV, New Mexico are the other three. Mountain West represent. Yes. So we will definitely have to keep our eyes on those. So bottom bottom line, Andy. Any of those, any of these 12 teams still undefeated when we hit 23, you think we got at least one?
0: Yes, I do. I, I, I'm not sure I can predict exactly which teams, but 12 teams at this point in the year, I, I think there's a decent chance that one of these Mountain West schools remains undefeated. None of them have super rigorous schedules. Utah State, as we're speaking, is playing San Francisco, which is one of their tougher games. They're up 14 right. and a half, so oh, that yeah. looks like a pretty good sign for them. Uh, I think we're going to see a couple undefeated teams. I'm not sure if any of the top, top teams going to remain undefeated we might have just like a couple teams where you're like oh hey they're they're playing pretty well this year but you know they're not necessarily a team that you're really threatened by come March
1: yeah absolutely so we'll keep our eyes on that we'll keep you updated folks but uh, part of this part of the reason it's getting so difficult now is because several conferences are already getting into some conference games even in the midst of the non-con schedule and it's only de- December 4th but we've got Six conferences, including three Power Five conferences, starting lead play already. Is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? We'll weigh the pros and cons in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. At Locked On College Basketball, we believe home should be where you and your family feel the safest, especially over the holidays. So, this season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On College Basketball listeners 40% off, Andy. That's ridiculous. A new security system. So, don't put it off. Here's why I personally love it. In this day and age where I control literally my entire house with my phone, what up, Alexa? Thanks for what you do. It's so helpful and convenient to be able to view the security camera feeds in crystal clear HD from wherever I'm at. I love it. With the top rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system. Arm, disarm, unlock for a guest, access cameras, whatever it is. You can do all of it on the fly, anytime, anywhere. So, don't miss your chance to save big on my favorite security system. Get 40% off any new uh, Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked That's simplysafe.com slash locked on because there's no safe like Simply Safe. Okay. Andy, early conference play for some leagues. Let me just uh, quickly unpack who it is, what they got going on, and then we'll talk about our thoughts on it. I mentioned there's three Power Five schools. That's the ACC that started up this weekend. Uh, Big Ten got things going. Pac-12 is going on as well. And then you got some of the mid-majors. Horizon the Missouri Valley conference and the Mac uh, you got to separate the MAAc from the MAC. We can't get that confused. So that's why I sound like a sheep buying <laughs> everywhere. So, um, and then we've also got uh conference USA. They've had one game between middle Tennessee state and rice, but nobody else is playing some, I, I don't even know what the reason for that scheduling quirk is, but whatever C USA, you've fallen <laughs> off the map in the last decade. So whatever. Um, but I, Andy, let's like basically just ask the question: Do you like having conference games in the midst of non-con? Yay or nay?
0: I I don't love it. I I, I mean I, I think it's I, I think it's fine. I, I it's weird to me that the Pac-12 started in November. Like I was looking at the calendar, and I saw on November 30th, USC's playing Cal, and I'm like, what in the world? is? It's still November. We should yeah. be like a month away from yeah. these games. And certainly, I follow the WCC pretty closely, and they always start like New Year's Eve, first couple of days of November or of January, excuse me. That kind of tends to be the right after Christmas is kind of the transition from non-conference right. into conference play. For me, it's more just the inconsistency conference to conference. And I can understand that some people may like that, and there is some yeah. something appealing of like, every conference does it a little bit differently. And like, if you're in this conference, you're going to start earlier, but then you're going to sprinkle in some of your non-conference games later. But I think that it can also impact like other teams that are trying to schedule. Like if you're a mid-major program and you really want to try to schedule, like, you know, if you're St. Mary's, for example, I'm going to use them because I talked about them earlier and you're trying to schedule these power five games and they're like, Hey, sorry, we can't schedule anything after this day because of our conference schedule. And it's like, well, I have a whole month Where I'm not going to be, you know, where it's going to be hard for me to find any of these challenging games and I got to fill my schedule with these bye games and then it hurts those teams resumes and it's kind of this whole secular thing and I, if you had some kind of hard and fast rule like every conference starts on this day or within this, you know, couple day time period, maybe you would avoid some of those issues. But at the end of the day, like, each conference doing things a little bit different is kind of fun. It gives the meets a little bit of yeah. individuality. So I yeah. do understand that. But I think as usual, it hurts some of those smaller conferences, those smaller programs that are trying to kind of grow and develop. And at the end of the day, if those programs are struggling to get up to a higher level, uh, that's that's a problem.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. Because the, the thing is, is like... The ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12, they're going to go back and play some non-con games. Mm-hmm. But at that point, maybe that's when the mid-majors and low-majors, are n- they're now playing conference games. And so that's right. where the, the whole issue yep. comes into play there. And so that makes a ton of sense. What, what I was trying to think about as you were talking is, if they're going to play these games, do I want them to be high-profile conference games? And I think mm-hmm. I would rather them – first off, I'm with you. I would rather them not and just right. here's non-con – Here's conference schedule. Like, yeah. let's make it happen. Although, side note, I do love that the SEC and Big 12 have that, like, January matchup that they do. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty rad, although it's going away. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> um, I, I feel like that's the thing is, like, if you're mm-hmm. going to do these, you want them to be high-profile matchups. Mm-hmm. But the problem is you need those hope high-profile matchups when we actually get into conference play. And so I kind of feel like it's like a, no, a no-win situation there. And so, yeah, end of the day – Let's just have non-con be non-con. Let's yep. have conference be conference. I'm I'm curious. Those of you who are our, our mm-hmm. audience, what is your thoughts on on doing these non-con games early? Would love for you to chime in on it, Andy. It's time for our weekly tour around the country. It's time for some quick hitters. Quick hitters. And, uh, this is a great opportunity, folks. If you're just tuning in with us for the first time, where we check out maybe some games we haven't had a chance to talk about. Uh, maybe it's lower teams that we don't often look at, but just some games that we think you need to know about as we're running around the conference. So Andy, hit us with the first one.
0: Well the first one is that Creighton got upset by Nebraska. This was Yikes. a surprising result here for the Blue Jays after losing to Texas another tough loss for them. Texas a bit more understandable than Nebraska certainly. <laughs> Creighton took 43s. 40 43s 40 no. in this game. They took 43s no. and five free throws. <laughs> That's not a recipe for success. Quite it, frankly they made not. 10 threes, 10 out of 40, 25% they they're just too reliant on the deep shot. This is a good talented balanced offensive team and I think that they can do more than that. They can involve Ryan Kalkbrenner more. They can involve some of the other players more, get to the basket more, drive and dish, stuff like that. We're seeing too many outside shots from this team and if they continue to be this reliant on the outside shot, I think it caps their uh, it, frankly it caps their ceiling.
1: Yeah, that's a thing and that's a real big problem. Another real big problem we got going on louisville is 0 and eight andy they lose again one of now just five winless teams in the entire country shouts to you california golden bears along with monmouth central connecticut and green bay i mean we've got two power five schools that don't have a win that is ugly but good news for the cardinals you know who's next on their schedule florida state who's also <laughs> awful this season, although um, they uh, yeah, that's their next game as well is Louisville. And so yeah. uh, one of these two teams has to win. They're a combined one in 17 right now. Bow wow. Woof.
0: That's a rough one. Next up St. John's at Iowa state uh, St. John's struggled in this one, 20 turnovers and only six assists. I had to read that box score more than once, uh, but having watched the second half of that game, it seemed about right. Uh, They really struggled in the second half of that one. Iowa State basically jumped out to an early lead and just coasted for the rest of the way. This is an interesting team for me, this Iowa State team we've seen them look really good at times. We've seen them look okay at times. I'm not sure if I've quite pinned down who they are, but I think <laughs> St. John's a team that's expected to be in the NCAA tournament, or at least in that conversation. And they got waxed here by Iowa state. And that's something to keep an eye on really just for the big East in general, who has kind of not looked great. Uh, obviously Villanova has been a big problem, but outside of that with Creighton's loss too, like I'm curious how the Big East is going to end up looking when we get to March.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let me wrap up quick hitters. Three quick big 10 games. We talked about the big 10 conference getting going. Of course, as soon as Indiana hosed North Carolina on Wednesday night, they lost to Rutgers. Uh, So uh, just a reminder that road conference games are insanely difficult. Hoosiers better days are ahead there. They're one of the best teams in the nation, but it's hard to go win on the road. Purdue stomped Minnesota, like Andy said earlier. Zach Eadie, 31 and 22, a clear early season frontrunner for player of the year. We both believe that. We've talked about it. And then, as we've been recording, Northwestern went to East Lansing and knocked off Michigan State 70-63. There's quick hitters for this week. Love it, Andy.
0: Love it. I love quick hitters. Love to do it every single week. Thank you all for checking out the show today. Thank you for making it your first listen of the day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Please make sure to like, subscribe, comment on the show on YouTube, wherever you get podcasts. And until tomorrow, peace out. Peace.